Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Bethan. And welcome to episode 8 of Seeing episode Red. Episode 8. Yeah, we're really flying through them now. This is another pre-recorded episode because Sorry, Bethan is guys. still in bloody Jamaica. Sorry, guys. So she obviously thinks holidays are more important than this podcast. Oh, and then we'll see what you say next time when you're on holiday. So apologies once again that we're not going to be shouting out thank yous for our patron supporters or our reviewers i couldn't think of the word (laughs) or the people that have been in touch on um, social media but um we have had this case recommended to us by somebody on instagram yeah thank you very much he actually lives near to where the person used to live which is quite interesting and he had a couple of little anecdotes which i thought was quite fun um, so did he know the person? I don't think so, no. no. He just knows of it because it's a local... And you local do when it's crime. local, you know. Yeah. You're drawn to it, so you do, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to go back to 2003 with this Ooh, case. Oh, like episode six. Like episode six. So on the 30th of June, 2003, after just a normal Monday at school, Jodie Jones, age 14, was told by her mum that she was no longer grounded, so she was allowed to go and see her boyfriend. She left her family home in Parkland Place, which is in Scotland, at about five o'clock in the evening to walk to her boyfriend's house. Her mum gave her a 10pm curfew that she agreed to and Jodie asked her mum, can you keep me some of the dinner? I I can't remember what it was, I think it was like lasagna or something. We love the detail. Love the detail. Um, Basically said, can you just keep some dinner when I get back? I'm thinking that's got some significance at some point. Not really, to be honest with you. So the walk to her boyfriend, Luke's house, was through a local, like, cut-through, and it was through the woods. And whilst this is, like, a secluded and a bit of a, a bit of a dodgy walk that her mum wasn't, like, completely happy with her taking, it is really well known to dog walkers and local people. His house was only, like, a mile and a half away from her house, so it made the walk, like, a 15-minute walk rather than 45 minutes. Jodie's boyfriend, Luke, would quite often walk this way to meet her and... I think I heard somewhere that her mum would prefer him to come meet her and walk back, but it wasn't that unusual. And it was daylight, I'm guessing. Yeah, it was June and it was five o'clock in the evening. Jodie was a friendly girl from a loving and close family. She lived with her mum, her sister and her brother, and they lived nearby to her grandmother. She quite often went to go stay with her grandmother and she'd go for like weekends and stuff. So it was all just quite happy. The family were very close, especially since her dad had killed himself like five years previously and committed suicide. So the family was like incredibly sort of drawn together. Jodie was described as about five foot seven with shoulder length brown hair, but she had recently begun dyeing it sort of reds and purples. As you do at that age. Exactly. She wore glasses and she dressed in what I would say in inverted commas a goth sort of style basically slightly different and a bit alternative she listened to rock music um her favorite band was Nirvana she was a good student and according to reports which obviously people always say the nice things after someone's passed away but she was a good student and she didn't really ever skip school and they're not going to say oh and she was really shit at maths no exactly um kind of looking at pictures and stuff she she reminds me of me at that age like we would have Mm. been apart from a few months we'd have been the same age that's weird yeah she just looked like quite normal and and although you started the case by saying that she'd been grounded and her mom had said you're Mm. not grounded anymore she'd obviously done something a bit bad but you know everybody did at that age yeah and also at 14 to still listen to your mum when you're grounded I think that's quite impressive that she still listened to her mum and didn't go out when she was told not to 
Jodie and Luke had been going out since March that year, so a few months, and they'd spend time listening to bands that they had in common, and they'd smoke weed together, <gasps> and yeah, I know, honestly, Mark. So she was a bit naughty. She was a bit naughty, yeah, not not ridiculous, but not a very mm. not completely a good girl. They also gonna be shocked, Mark. They also started sleeping together. No. In Jodie's diaries, she wrote that she loved Luke. But sadly, he was also seeing another girl. Apparently, neither girl knew about the other, and this mm. was someone who he'd met either like on a holiday or who lived away, and he'd see her in school holidays. So, Jodie had gone out at about five o'clock that evening. She'd said that she was going to go and meet Luke and told him that's where she was off to. When Jodie hadn't returned before her 10pm curfew, her mum started to get a bit worried, but probably more annoyed than worried. And this was in the days when mobile phones would have been used quite a bit. They would so have been she hadn't a heard bit, from her, But I not, I don't think it was major. Yeah. So she'd been texting Luke saying about like going to his, but then when he didn't hear from her, he didn't really think anything of it. He okay. just assumed there was nothing extra. I think because she'd been grounded as well, that would include taking your phone off you, I suppose. Yeah. So Jodie's mum got in touch with Luke and basically said, tell Jodie that she's missed curfew. And he then said, she's not been here. She hasn't come round. And he'd been expecting her, they'd been messaging, but he was expecting her to turn up. When she didn't, he just figured, well, she's been grounded again or she's not coming. So he went out with some friends. So this obviously really worried them all. You wouldn't have for the mum. You'd be like, fuck. Yeah. She left five hours ago yeah. to go to your house. You're telling me she's never arrived. Exactly. I know that she does a cut through through the woods. It's 15 minutes. It's now dark and we don't know where the hell she is. Exactly. So from 5pm, Jodie had gone missing at around that point. Mm. Her mum called the police and about 11pm that night, a search party was assembled. So Jodie's family, her extended family, friends and family and sort of some local people went out and they decided to retrace her steps. Luke joined in with everybody and brought his dog. Mm. So he came along and there was some police there as well, obviously, because they'd called the police. The group then set off in the dark to go see if what they could find. And sadly, I'm sure you were guessing this is how it's going to come about. But shortly before midnight, Jodie's body was found. She has been described as partially dressed barely dressed, and also naked except for some trousers that were binding her wrists. So I don't know for definite what she was or wasn't wearing, and I really can't say for definite, but basically her clothing that she'd gone out wearing was just strewn around in the woods around Mm. her dead body. She had clearly suffered a very violent and savage attack. Reports have stated that she put up a struggle and she really fought for her life before she died. So, Detective Superintendent Craig Dobby said that this is one of the most violent crimes I have experienced in my 28 years as a police officer. The attack was described as frenzied. There was no indication as to why she had been targeted, so it wasn't a clear robbery or anything like that. And they didn't say for definite either way at first whether there was a sexual component to the crime. Because I was going to say, surely that would be the motivation if we've got clothes ripped. And some of those reports said that, you know, she's pretty much completely naked Mm -hmm. and her wrists have been bound. Yeah, exactly. So they didn't say for definite either way. They did say that some sort of knife was used and the attacker had hit her on the head 
on the body and had compressed her throat, which had then choked her to death. She had also been stabbed repeatedly before and after death in the face, in her ears, her mouth, her breasts and abdomen. Fucking hell. Yeah, so it was like a vicious... No wonder he said it was the worst thing he'd seen in 28 years. That sounds horrendous. Absolutely. And she's 14. Yeah. Found in the woods. Her brother said, we are all too upset to speak about it right now and we have nothing to say. A female relative who just didn't want to be named said it is just too painful and nothing we can say or do will bring Jodie back. And this was quite a small community. The press just jumped on this show. Where was this? It's in Scotland. I can't remember what the name of the place is, but basically it's like a small Mm, small rural community. Yeah, Yeah. with the woods nearby. There was a neighbour sort of close by who sort of said, I have two kids of my own. And for something like this to happen is really shocking. And... Yeah, the local community was just a mess. They were absolutely paralysed with fear. It was the school holidays coming up. Like, I think within, like, two weeks, it was going to be the school holidays. So they were sort of like, well, if nothing gets sorted out now, we could have a whole six-week school holiday where we don't want our children to go out. Mm. Like, that is really terrifying. Yeah. The parents were just too scared to let their kids out to play. Um, And it was the lack of motive as well that was so scary. It was just someone who you wouldn't expect to have been targeted. Mm. At that point, if they're, they're, you know, like you say, it could have been a sexual motive, but if they've not gone public with that, or if it was established that it wasn't, yeah, I think that's one of the worst Mm -hmm. crimes ever is when there's no motive. Because you know that that could then happen to anyone. There's nothing Mm -hmm. you can do to protect yourself. Yeah. So the police straight away were on this, you know, appealing to the people, you know, appealing through the press. Has anybody seen anything? This is the sort of place where dog walkers would be going through all the time. Curtain twitchers, everybody yeah, knows everybody. Exactly. And there's a lot of people did see things, which is quite good. There was a few sightings and things like that. The police said that the attacker would have been covered in blood. So if you've seen anybody that looks a mess or anybody who's acted suspiciously, burning clothes or getting rid of burnt, you know, blood-stained clothing, you need to come forward. There was sort of like no sighting, so they kind of worked out that she would have been killed between 5.30 and 8pm. So that mm. was, they narrowed down the time scale because of the other times that other people were walking through. Yeah. They had 140 calls from the public in the first 24 hours wow. with people giving information or sightings. They sort of looked into the boyfriend, Luke, and his alibi was that he was at home with his brother at this point. And basically the whole town just started putting like all these tributes down, putting flowers down. And the head teacher had sort of said nice things about her as well and that it just wasn't something you would expect to happen. They had two services while school was still open. And then they planned a memorial for after. So when the kids were like back at school, but no kids were walking to the school to go to these memorial services. Like, their parents were taking them, or they'd go by bus so that there was, like, safety in numbers. Mm. And there were police officers on the school gates giving advice and talking to people. Officers, there was, like, a team of 40 officers, and they wow. started going door-to-door and doing investigations, and they really wanted to try and find that weapon. That was the main thing. But there were really few forensic things found to try and help find who had attacked Jodie. So there were a few delays. For example, the first forensics like team person who turned up had a bad back and couldn't climb over the wall oh, that God. they needed to climb over to find her body because basically she was found behind a wall. Right. Um, Luke had found her. He, his dog or something, had, he said his dog had taken him around and he'd looked over. 
the person couldn't get over the wall, so then that made a delay. Also, they left the scene exposed overnight. They didn't put a tent up or anything, so anything could have been destroyed. And it wasn't guarded by the police? No. The bins that were local were emptied by the council before the police could stop it. So that murder weapon could have been in any of those bins or anything, and it just never would have been found. So there were two witnesses who said that they'd seen a young man walking along, and the police basically said that this looks like there was a personal motive. So this is someone who is angry, someone who is upset or afraid, Mm. and somebody who is now going to be acting disturbed. So the knife couldn't be found, and actually they didn't find anything in 2000 until 2010. Fucking hell. I know. Seven years later. Yeah, so it is a bit crazy. There was a weapon that was found in a hedge nearby, but then they realised that this wasn't linked to Because you, you get all sorts of shit discarded in yeah. woods. and Exactly. Yeah. So they, someone had chucked something, but that was it. There was no sexual assault during the case, so they were then able to determine that she hadn't been sexually okay. assaulted. And the police made a reconstruction, which has been shown on numerous occasions to really, really help with jogging people's memories. So they Did it feature on Crime Watch? I don't it think It must so. have done. I'm not sure. It must have done, but... Was Crime Watch still on in 2003? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe it was. It was at its peak. We'll have, to, we'll have to find out if it was. So, yeah, they set up roadblocks as well, and they basically questioned any motorists and just said, were you around this area? Is there anything you can think of? Her boyfriend, Luke, was questioned a couple of times because, obviously, he was her boyfriend. That's like, yeah. he always goes for like And didn't he find the body? And he found the body. But there would have been loads of them out. When he found it, I yeah. guess, yeah. Um, but you've hit on something quite interesting mm. there. Ooh. But he was released. So he yeah. was questioned, but he was released every single time. So Luke, we'll talk about him for a little bit. So he grew up in quite a normal family. So Colin, who recommended the case, sort of described it as a middle-class area. Just like normal. His He had like a mum and a dad, who then, they did get separated when he was seven, but he'd grown up in this quite normal family. And he grew up with his brother. However... His mum has been described as a little bit too close. Like, oh. his mum were a bit too close. Apparently, his brother was a bit jealous. Or a Was bit he fucking his own mother? I don't know if he was fucking his own mum, but she did take him to get his first tattoo at the age of, like, 13, 14. Mm. That's not middle class. He was 18. That's not middle class. She also um, ran a, car- a caravan park, so mm. not very middle class. But the area, Colin said now. the area was middle class. But apparently the brother felt like a bit of an outsider. Yeah. Um, so that's a little bit about Luke. So after Jodie's death, the press sort of really spun on the fact that the police had interviewed him a number of times. The press were really interested in this angle. Her boyfriend, they're both young, this has happened. And that's a no dream success. for the press, isn't it? Exactly. Nobody else. Yeah. Let's look at him. And I also think because it's unclear what the motive was, there was no sexual attack, there was no robbery, it's got to be either just some random crazy guy or somebody that really knew her yeah. that had their own reason for wanting to kill her. Exactly. So Joey's funeral came around and her family basically said to Luke that he wasn't welcome at the funeral. Um, They said that it was going to be a media circus if he did show up. And he was interviewed by Sky News and he said he was really upset about this. He understood her family's wishes, but that it was a really hard blow. He wanted to be able to go to the funeral. However, the whole media circus thing was really shown to be true because then he went to go lay flowers 
I don't know if it was like a grave or like do with some sort of memorial. And there was loads of press there filming him doing it. So it is true. If he had mm. gone to that funeral, the press would have been there filming him and making it all about that rather than a memorial for this young girl. But do you think maybe that that was a story that the family put out to avoid him going when really they suspected that he could have it killed could her? It could well have been. I've not seen anything either way, but mm. it could well have been. Her family sort of asked people to plant a sunflower in their gardens rather than That's like nice. sending flowers, which was really sweet. Yeah. Now, the reason why he was such a person of interest, apart from the usual basic thing of he's her boyfriend, when it's usually someone close, and it wouldn't have been a family member because they were all accounted for, yeah. was, and this is where this case I find a bit difficult, he was a bit of a goth into rock music, and obsessed with serial killers. Oh, I don't know. I feel like that's any of us any and our of listeners. Us. Yeah. It really bothers me when people yeah. try and say they committed this crime because they're into heavy metal. And also that it's abnormal to be fascinated by mm -hmm. crime. Yeah. Because I get that a lot. A lot of people say that's not normal. Yeah. But I think it. I think it's quite a healthy interest to have. It doesn't mean you condone it. It just means that exactly. you learn from it. And you, you want an understanding of it. Yeah, so that was quite a that was quite a key part of this case in the media and in the way that they described him. Now, there are some other things about him that go a little bit deeper, which actually you do start to think, yeah, bit of a weirdo. However, it's this initial, he liked Marilyn Manson. Well, that's most of my friends. Yeah, most 14-year-old lads yeah. would have probably liked Marilyn Manson in 2003. Exactly. Yeah. So, he did used to deal weed a lot to a lot of friends. And again, like I'm not, I'm not condoning smoking weed. However, it's not the worst thing you can do in the world of drugs. No. However, he, had, he was known for carrying a knife and would use that as a bit of a threat because Ooh, he was being a drug dealer. I'm suspicious now. He's suspicious now. Yeah. There's also um, anecdotal evidence that he had held a knife to an old girlfriend's throat during an argument. God. So he has got a bit of form. He yeah. carried a knife around. He'd done that. He also would carve the number 666 into himself. Oh, what a freak. Yeah. Um, he'd write stuff all over like his school books about satanic things and about his music taste. This and could just be attention seeking. Exactly. Also, he used to stub cigarettes out on himself. Self harm. Yeah, this is the thing. He's his behaviour is bizarre, and he did have form with a knife, but also he's acting out, and he's fourteen. Yeah, is it that bizarre for a fourteen-year-old lad back in two thousand three? Probably yeah, not, exactly. Know. It's the era of MySpace and all of that. However, he did also keep bottles of his own wee in his oh. bedroom. So there's some bits yeah, where I'm kind of like, Do you know what? This is all of my guy friends in 2003. Like all of us were 14 listening to rock music. We used to like be interested in murders and stuff. And there would be some people that would carry a knife and not necessarily because they're going to use it, but just to kind of be like, look at me, I'm cool. Yeah, you think you're cool and you're not. But hoarding but bottles of his own piss. He also hoarded bottles of his own Why did he do piss. that? What, do we freak? know? No idea. I think we need to look that up at some point because I think there's okay. there's a medical thing behind that, yeah, like a okay. mental thing, yeah. Well, Colin, if you if you know the reason, like you mentioned about this. I reckon there's a paper more. that's been published on that. <laughs> we'll have to look into it. He did write something in, um, in like a, I don't know if it's like a diary entry or like a school report or something, but he'd put something along the lines of, so what, if I'm a goth in a Catholic school, this doesn't mean I need psychological help. And that's true. Yeah. I went to Catholic school. 
we wouldn't have called ourselves goths, but me and my friends would have dressed similar, we would have listened to the same kind of music. And that Catholic upbringing could belie that rebellion? It could. However, again, the other thing just to mention is the fact that he then got into Satanism and wanted to do devil worship, which is just taking it that little bit further. So there has been a bit of controversy around the fact that when Luke was questioned, he didn't have a lawyer present. He has always sort of denied that he had any involvement. But when the police were questioning him as a person of interest, he didn't have a lawyer sort of present with him. Ten months later... On April 14th, 2004, the police arrested Luke Mitchell. Fucking and they found that he ten was, months as well. They really did try and get together this case. Like I said before, there was no DNA evidence around mm. the scene, so it was quite difficult for them, but there was a lot of circumstantial evidence. They didn't name Luke. However, the press knew that it was him. If you say you've arrested a 15-year-old boy and it's in a local area like this and he's the only 15-year-old, he was 14 at the time, you're going to make those links. And also, they wouldn't have been able to name him anyway because... Well, they don't normally anyway, but because he's a child. Because he was a child, they wouldn't name him, but the press knew him. Yeah, they would have known. People knew who it was. People in that community would have known. Exactly. And they searched his room and they found things in his room like the bottles of weed. (laughs) Um, Apparently, when they went into his room to search it, the smell of ammonia was like really, really strong. I bet it fucking stank. Yeah, it did. And on July 24th, when he turned 16, he was named as the person who had been arrested and he was held until his trial. The trial has been called the longest trial in Scottish history against a single person and it was the most expensive trial. Wow. He didn't give any evidence at the trial and he continues to deny that he killed Jodie and he always said that he didn't kill Jodie. The trial was 42 days long and... It was just mad. It went on for ages. They first of all tried to say that the trial shouldn't be held in Edinburgh because it's too local, it should be moved out of the city. But they didn't. They still held it there. The trial then had to be restarted because one of the people on the first jury, even though everyone was asked if you've got any connection, one of the people didn't stand up and say they did. And I think that their like child had gone to school with him or had been at school with him or something like that, so there was a connection. So then they had to start again with a new jury. The jury was taken to four different locations throughout the trial. Mm. One of them, they actually went to the the site where she'd been found, where she died. So this was really unusual to take a jury there. It just meant that they could see a lot more of the actual place. So they'd all kind of got on this bus and then off they went. They also, another place, put up a fake wall and... One of the key things for the prosecution was the fact that Luke had found the body. The fact that this wall was there and he'd had to look over it. Now, his defence was the dog was barking and took him there. They sort of said, it's not a cadaver dog, it's just a dog. Is that really very feasible? You would have had to have known where you were going and where you were going to look to look over and find her. So that was, mm. they put this fake wall up so that the jurors could really get a feel for whether or not it was feasible that you could spot someone or not. And yeah, it just went on for quite a while. So the key points of the trial were that he said he was not guilty and his alibi was that he was at home at the time that she died because they had this half five till 8 pm. Mm. And his brother he said, said his brother he was, was at with, home. Yeah. yeah. Now, he said that his brother was at home 
and his brother had said, yeah, I was at home at the time. In a separate interview, his brother had said that he was at home and he was using the internet to look at pornographic material. Mm -hmm. So he What, was, Luke was or the brother? No, the brother. Was. Yeah. And then in another interview, they basically managed to get him to agree to the fact that if there was someone else at home, he wouldn't be up there having a wank. If Christ, were, Bethan. But if he thought that there was someone home, he wouldn't have done that, and he admitted to that. So okay. he must have thought that the house was empty at that point. To crack Otherwise, he wouldn't have done that. I apologise, Mark, for my vulgar language. Hey, fucking hell. Condoms <laughs> last week, now we've got wanking. I'm sorry. The fuck's wrong with you? I'm sorry, I'll stop. So that was quite interesting. His brother had given him this alibi, but then in the trial, actually it wasn't an alibi at all. His brother said, actually, I, I didn't think that there would have been anyone in the house. It's all very circumstantial, though. It is very circumstantial. But then if he's admitted, okay, yeah, you're right, there was nobody else yeah. in the house, then we've got hard cold evidence the then that he wasn't there, yeah. The difficulty is Luke never denied going out that evening. So his story was that she they'd been messaging and she was going to come to his house, she never showed up, so he assumed, well, she's been grounded again. She's not got her phone, or for some reason she's not told me. So he went out and met someone else. Yeah. This wasn't very unusual. He was probably, That's normal. You know, he's probably going out to make a move with someone else instead of her. Or dealing it. Or dealing it. So he'd never denied that he'd gone out, but it was the timing. So he was adamant he was home at these times because that was the time of the murder, and then he was adamant that his mum had got in at a certain point. The whole thing with his mum being overly close with him as well came out in the media quite a lot. The, the family got sort of run away from the town because she kept on trying to protect him and be on his side. And I think she actually got done for like perverting the course of justice or something like that. Trying to come up with some sort of alibi yeah, for him or something. Exactly. So it turns out the brother, it wasn't true. The other things that the prosecution said was that the wood burner in his garden had been used two different times that evening and neighbours had basically said that it was unlikely that you would just use it randomly at that time of the year, at that time it wasn't normal for the family, but they didn't find anything inside that was evident. So they've got people saying it was on, they've got people saying there was a horrible smell, but the stuff inside couldn't be said either way, whether it was bloody clean Because it had been incinerated. It's been incinerated. So... Again, circumstantial. He His family home had a log burner that was burning something. Whether it was him who had been out there, we don't know for definite. The prosecution also said that he had taken an interest in the Black Dahlia case. So the 1947 homicide where that young woman was cut completely in half and then discovered... Uh. Yeah, I've heard the name. I didn't been, know that's what happened. Yeah, never been solved. Oh, so we should do her that. Her body was just found. Honestly, Mark, there is nothing about this case. Like, oh. It's never going to be solved. Like Nobody knows who did it. It won't be solved now if it was like yeah, 70 47. years ago. So that was kind of... They tried to say that the wounds that were suffered were similar. Jodie wasn't cut in half. And the main thing with the Black Dahlia murder is that this woman was found completely severed in half. So that, to me, is very, very bizarre to try and link those at least mm. if you're going to try and link a case pick um, a good one exactly pick one that has some sort of similarities, similarities yeah. yeah also when the police searched luke's room they found a knife well a knife pouch which would have held a knife that he had in inverted commas lost recently very suspicious mm. and his mum being the lovely mum that she is bought him a new knife to replace that one because that's what you do mm. On the knife pouch, he had marked JJ, 1989-2003. to 2003. So, Jodie Jones. Uh. 
that's a weird memorial for someone who's been stabbed. Mm. She'd not bought that for him. No, nope. and gift. it was her birth and death dates yeah. that were on this. He had written on there, and he'd written, "quote The finest day I ever had was when tomorrow never came." It's fucking weird. That is not. What's a he mean by that? The, like, as in she. Like when she died. When she died. So that is just really weird. You wouldn't have that as a memorial for no. someone. However, again, he's a goth. Fourteen fifty. Yeah. Yeah. But they basically said this is not normal. No. According to prosecution as well, the only way that he would have found the body behind the wall was prior knowledge. It was not obvious it was not easy to find it was not easy to spot no one else in the search party looked there and found her the defense then basically said this is all circumstantial there's no reason for any of this where's like the reason that he would have done all of this yeah there's no clear motive no clear motive there was a woman who had seen someone matching his description there was someone else who had seen someone matching his description he's also just a guy like the description is really basic a youth with young hair wearing this jacket however the jacket that was described he used to have one and then they couldn't find it so had mm, he burned it very suspicious again. again and this is the thing it's all circumstantial but circumstantial it does evidence, evidence is still evidence and it's, it's still, still permissible yeah exactly so he was saying that he was at home he didn't do this the prosecution then had to give the reasons why they think and their reasons were they believed that she, that Jodie had found out about Luke and this other girl yeah. that he was getting together with. He had apparently, this is again all circumstantial, but apparently he was going to go and see this girl on like a holiday. So either he'd told Jodie, I've got this other person, or Jodie had found out somehow, had confronted him, and that's why he decided to kill her. So the prosecution were basically trying to show how this 14-year-old could be a cool, confident and arrogant killer. And they really focused on the whole Marilyn Manson side of this. They said that he was obsessed with this rocker, Marilyn Manson, and Marilyn Manson had done some paintings. And there's a really good podcast um, from They Walk Among Us where they Mm. talk about this case. And they go into a lot more detail about this, which I think is really interesting. And they go into a lot more detail about the trial itself. Yeah. But basically, there was a painting that Marilyn Manson had done where... It depicted the Black Dahlia murder Mm. and the victim of that killing. And they basically tried to say that he was obsessed with this and that's why he decided to do it. But really, is that that the case? He was charged with, so three things. He was charged with murder. He was charged with having a knife in a public place. And he was charged with supplying cannabis. And then his mum and his brother were charged with perverting in the course of justice. But these charges were dropped before the trial, so they just didn't sort of bother to continue on with them and the jury of eight women and seven men deliberated for about five hours the trial itself had been 42 days that's mental that they only spent five hours they obviously had what they needed they basically said that at this point he was 16 at this point in the trial so they said the 16 year old was guilty yeah absolutely and he was then sentenced and the judge basically said that he would sentence him for a minimum of 20 years in prison before he'd even be considered for parole because he was, in quotes, truly wicked. Mm. 
and that was that then he was moved to an adult prison when he turned 21 like that was that was it he was in prison but in 2006 he was granted the leave to appeal Mm. so based on the fact that his trial shouldn't have been in that city it shouldn't have been in edinburgh it should have left the city the media had already been talking about him being guilty people would have known about him people were because of the type of community as people knew everybody his family had been run out of town you know it's that sort Mm. of place he should have perhaps had it left the city so in 2008 his appeal was heard and so it's three judges that hear the appeal and then decide on whether or not and basically they agreed on a two to one that it shouldn't have been a you know it's fine even if it had been moved to a different city the evidence was enough to prove that he did it the judge that was on his side basically said i am really sad that i have to disagree with my colleagues and did say that he should have had a a lawyer when he was questioned mm. and that this um, judge basically said that he felt that that was way too that it was way too much for a young person 14 however it's a two-to-one verdict and his appeal was was quashed. good because he pretty much definitely did it i think so i personally do it frustrates me the whole oh goths weren't you know listen yeah. to rock music However, there's just so much more to this. I'm not saying it because of that. It's just the amount of circumstantial evidence. Yeah. And not the goth stuff. He just seems like a bit of a dick as well. Yeah, he does seem like a twat. He's 14, getting with two, like, sleeping with two girls, dealing drugs, holding Carrying knives, a knife. knives people's throats. He's just a bit of a And he's got that weird relationship with his mum. Yeah, exactly. They've always got weird relationships I know, with their moms. Like that. It's like yeah. a Norman Bates sort of thing. Yeah. So that's kind of it now, to be honest. There's two extra little bits just to mention about it, but he is in prison and that is, that's it. He is, that is him. He's been committed, um, convicted of the crime. Hmm. So in 2007, the BBC did a documentary special about a theory that he wasn't the murderer, it was someone else. So this person who'd been spotted at the time, hmm. who they said could have been him, also could have been someone else. Yeah, of course, yeah. It could have been any other any other guy with long hair. There was a student and heavy drug user who was alleged to have handed in an essay at school a few weeks before Jodie was killed, and the essay actually discussed killing a girl in the woods. This guy, his friend, saw him after the murder and he had scratches on his face and claimed that I feel like he's important, you know, he's see, important. See, that is a really good point because it was such a frenzied attack. Yeah that whoever did um, kill her would have had all those defensive marks yeah. on their face, on their body, and no they one ever mentioned that. that. Before, and okay. no one mentioned Luke had any of that. Exactly. So that was something that the BBC really looked into that theory. Mm. It's one that's not been followed up by police. I'm so easily swayed, reason. aren't I? I know. So for some reason, the police didn't follow this up. Yeah. They must have had a reason not to. They didn't. But the BBC documentary then looked into this in a lot more detail. They also really challenged the fact that they were using this Black Dahlia murder in the trial because apparently there's no evidence that Luke knew about this murder Mm. until after Jodie's death and it came out in the press. Yeah. Because the Marilyn Manson thing, it was one of Marilyn Manson's paintings that he'd done was of this murder. Apparently there's no evidence that Luke's gone on the internet and looked at her murder. He, he wouldn't have been an expert in Marilyn Manson. He wouldn't have known everything no, he'd done. and they were trying to say that he was. Yeah. So that was really He'd have known a lot about well. him, but not, not everything. Yeah. Apparently Jodie's family were just really outraged that the programme had even been aired and they were frustrated that that was coming but, out now. But I can understand that because you... 
you want justice for your daughter's death and you've got justice and if somebody then casts that in doubt you could then be back to square one so yeah. you, you are just going to want to even if you know it's not true you're going to just want to think that yeah this is a guy that did it exactly Luke did it and we can put it to bed and i think that's the thing her family didn't want him at the funeral there must have been a i reason. think they knew i think they knew something. They, they suspected him they didn't want him there because of that yeah um, so then the other little thing to mention, which just kind of... You always have a little footnote, don't you? Well, it's about him, though, this time, I yeah. promise. In 2014, he demanded the right to be given satanic textbooks in jail because of religious beliefs. So he wanted um, six books, and he basically said it is his human his human right to have access to his religious materials. Is that a religion? It is. Okay. Um, he is now, at this point, he was 25, and it said he now wants a copy of the Satanic Bible, which calls for followers to create a lawless world where there is no right or wrong, and human sacrifice and murder is not only tolerated, but encouraged. So, it's officially, at this point, was under consideration. I don't know for definite whether it was allowed or not. I don't know if they'd ever publicly say if it was or wasn't, but this was in the press at the time. And they're basically saying... If you're wanting to not be done for murder and the fact that all of these things were possibly linked and the fact that you'd cast 666 into your arm and on all your school books and he'd apparently written in his school books references to Satanism and devil worship, maybe don't don't carry on doing it because you're not going to get parole if it, you... I was just going to say there's no yeah. way the parole board would consider him for release in what is probably going to be six years' time when he's done 20 years, I yeah. guess, um, if he's not showing remorse because he's, one, going to have to admit that he did it and, two, show remorse. And showing remorse is not saying that we should kill people. It's the right thing to do. Exactly. Fucking um, dickhead. I know. So there's a criminologist called Elizabeth Rubman who has over 20 years of experience and she was quoted as saying... This is extreme material and it's very interesting he's asked for this halfway through his sentence. I'm taken aback that he's asked for these satanic materials at this point. My problem is that the rituals involved are really antisocial. They elicit deeds that are against the law, such as human sacrifice. This person was committed, uh, convicted for murder, so my first question would be, what is he going to plan now? Mm. And it's possible. So either she's saying, either he's given up completely and he's like, you know what, I'm in prison now, I may as well just carry on with what I'm doing. Or this is like an indication of guilt, because rather than just giving up, oh, I'm innocent, but I'm never going to get out, so I may as well just carry on. He's actually probably saying, well, I was doing it anyway. But it's not just guilt, it's like, you know, it could be the beginning of his own sort of manifesto. Yeah. You know, causing mass murder somewhere. Exactly. So the Scottish Prison Service basically said in 2014 that every request has to be considered um, and risk assessed by the chaplaincy team, and then they would decide. But I haven't seen anything further. But I just thought it was quite interesting that mm. even sort of in 2014, so that's like what 11 years later or whatever it was, he's still yeah, being such nearly, a freak. Yeah. He's not trying to mm. not trying to change anything. But there. then does that say say something about the ego? Yeah, exactly. So there we go. So that's episode, what episode? Eight. 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 That's incredible. We'll be in double digits soon. Amazing. Hopefully people are still listening. I hope so. Thank you so much for listening to that one. I do apologise that I'm in Jamaica and I'm having more fun. I'm sorry. Mm, Not good enough. Not good enough. But for episode nine, we will... I think, not be pre-recording in advance. No, we won't. Or in too much advance. No, episode nine will be um, done at the time, so we're probably going to have 
about 10 minutes worth of thank yous to yeah. like three weeks worth but we definitely will get around to doing those for everybody um so yeah thank you so much for listening thank you very much we'll see you next time see you soon bye bye